0: Welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast, where two buddies from college review and preview Penn State football and the big college games. Okay, it's time for kickoff. Hello and
1: welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast. My name is Caleb. I'll be one of your co-hosts today. Phil, how we doing?
0: You know, Caleb, pretty good. Uh you and I were just talking before we started recording about how we're we're starting to feel old. I mean, neither of us have uh, hit the big 30 yet, but we are all, you know, we're already getting uh some back pains here and there. So uh mm-hmm. I'm currently trying to stretch something out and uh, we'll see how it goes. How about you? Getting ready for Disney, right?
1: Yeah, getting ready for Disney. 3 more days. Got some action up, Buffalo against Northern Illinois. Here. Yeah. 10. Yeah, there's just a big I think 75-yard touchdown by Northern Illinois. So looks like another fun weekday game here.
0: Yeah, you know, that's one of the uh so like even though we usually record on Tuesdays, we're recording on Wednesday tonight. Uh, I I always kind of like whenever we do Wednesday nights too because there's usually a game on while we're recording, which is always a lot of fun. Um mm-hmm. Caleb, have you downloaded Retro Bowl on your phone yet?
1: I have not. Tell me about this Retro Bowl.
0: Okay. Okay, so you know, this is Um, basically like you take over, you manage a team and then you play the games too. Like you can upgrade, uh, your facilities, your training, your rehab stuff. You can sign players and coordinators and stuff. Um, it's basically like the old tech mobile, but on Mm -hmm. your phone. And, um, you know, I was just thinking you don't need Wi-Fi for it. So while you're on the plane to Disney, well, I'm trying to remember. No, you guys are flying, right?
1: Yes, we are flying.
0: Okay. Well, you're flying down, you know, if Quinn's nap and, uh, perfect opportunity All right, play yeah. some retro bowl and it is highly addicting uh i have hooked my entire history department in sixth grade mm-hmm. on it and uh we will you know text each other uh, like for very long periods of time about uh, our highlights from the day so it's good um you know speaking of stuff that is good kill let's go ahead let's move into some news here and uh we got a couple bits of information that's exciting some that are uh rather unfortunate, you know, one uh, piece of good news is that Middle Tennessee State is going to be staying in Conference USA. After getting some interest from the MAC. Uh, Conference USA lives to see another day and hold on to perennial powerhouse Middle Tennessee. Um, also, another small coaching decision here, uh, UConn is expected to hire Jim Mora as head coach. He previously coached with UCLA in 2017 and had a yeah, pretty good run. So, kill uh, either of those two things uh, really pop for you?
1: Yeah, UConn's kind of in no-man land. They've been really bad the last few years. So, feels like their options were hire a coach with some experience like Jim Mora and hope to get into bowl contention every year, get to that six-win mark, and get started get him some bowl games. Or go, you know, maybe like the Northwestern route. Hire a coach from your school that's the alma mater and hope that he can turn it around. Someone like Dan Orlovsky has been mentioned as a, a future head coach. So he might have <laughs> made someone that made sense. But yeah, we'll see how this works for Jim Mora. But yeah, it seems like UConn's ceiling right now is about a 6-1 team and that makes a low-level bowl game.
0: Yeah, so... What is your take on uh, Orlovsky, as a more so as a commentator? I really like him as a commentator, personally.
1: Yeah, I think when he, he he did the Penn State game this week, unfortunately, he's 0-2 in Penn State games. He also called the Illinois game, so bad luck. But no, when he's calling <laughs> games, I think he's good. When he's breaking down film on NFL Live, he's really good. His hot takes are a little much. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that's just kind of par for the course for ESPN.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's what. I feel like he needs to make those super edgy claims because, you know, that's what uh, that's what gets viewers. But, yeah, I like Orlovsky a lot. And, uh, you know, he is a much better analyst, which means he'll probably be a much better coach than he was a player. Uh, next thing here, Washington is making a very wise decision after their idiot coach, Jimmy Lake, decides to set a pretty poor example. Uh, Shovel player gets a, a gets a suspension. And as of three days ago, he is now the former head coach at washington i like this move i mean Kel, we talked about this on the show before i you know like don't put your hands on kids like don't don't do it be a man be mature and like i recognize some people like oh well back in the good old days well that's wonderful that that's what they did back in the good old days welcome to modern day uh where we don't do that sort of stuff we, we act more maturely you know this is no longer a like meathead sport it requires actual intellect and uh if that is how you're going to try to get your point across, nah, I don't like it. So I am personally very happy that, that Washington has decided to move ways uh, away from Jimmy Lake. I, I know that I am probably, um, I, I recognize it's probably a pretty divisive issue, my opinion of it, but uh, I was mad when I read that.
1: Yeah, and it should be interesting to see who's the next head coach there. Will someone uh, like Chip Kelly want to move back north, coach his rivals up there with Washington after being Oregon's head coach for a while? That's just one name that I've heard mentioned around. But we'll see where they, which direction they head.
0: Yeah, maybe bring Chris Peterson back. And, you know, we'll see. And it's not that I think, like, kids are soft or anything like that. I just think that developmentally – there are better ways to meet the needs of players and to educate them and help them. Like they are not professional athletes. They are student athletes, student first. Uh, Speaking of coaches that are leaving Virginia tech and Justin Fuente are mutually agreeing to part ways, probably, um, Probably a little bit of a surprise, maybe not after how it's been this season. Uh, Virginia Tech under Fuente has gone 43 and 31 in six years, but it's definitely not the uh, the level of elite performance that they were hoping to get out of them whenever they made them the head coach.
1: Yeah, and I know he's adamantly denied it, but you wonder if Shane Beamer, who's down at South Carolina, I think right now, if he takes over for his former dad's program and moves on up to Virginia Tech, where he probably has a better chance of competing for conference championships than he does at South Carolina right now.
0: That is my sneaking suspicion. Uh, I will not be surprised at all if we see Beamer Ball come back, you know, whenever uh, the end of Beamer Ball was uh, announced toward the, what was that, the end of last season, whenever or was it mid? I can't remember what point mm-hmm. of the season they had announced it, but it just felt like uh, it felt like a big culture shock. So it wouldn't shock me if they uh, then decide to make the fans happy and bring Beamer in. Uh, Butch Davis is not going to return to uh, FIU for the International University this upcoming year. He is twenty-four and thirty in his five years, but he is one and fourteen in the last two years. Um, peace out, man. This is a. Uh, Butch Davis struggled in a few places, uh, most notably probably is Tennessee, and uh, mm-hmm. his problems continue. So maybe a high school will pick him up. Well, I guess we'll find out here at the uh, end of the season.
1: Yeah, and this is kind of the worry. If you're UConn, you're hiring a coach who may be past his prime. Not that Jim Ror is quite as old as Butch Davis, I don't think, but you hire mm-hmm. a coach that's past his prime, and in a couple of years, you know, you're, UConn's still stuck him one or two games a season.
0: Yeah. You got to be able to adapt. You know, the, the the game of football is rapidly changing, as is evidenced by the fact that, like Caleb, you know, let's, let's think about whenever you and I started watching football, how frequently were players, you know, running plays out of the shotgun versus a center I formation fullback, tailback, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, a good old handoff up the middle. You know, it's yep. it's so different now because of how athletes are prepared.
1: It's um, basically just Texas Tech and Hawaii.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like they were a lot of fun to watch, but now you see this spread offense, this air raid pretty much everywhere. Uh, speaking of air raid, you know, did you catch Lane Kiffin's comment toward Mike Leach on uh, game day this past weekend?
1: Yeah, I thought he was pretty good on game day.
0: Yeah, I'd like to be, but he called, he called Mike Leach the best offensive coach in the country. Mm-hmm. I am, I'm imagining he's trying to stroke his ego a little bit so he can uh, humble him there. <laughs> yep. Um, one team that's going to be without their head coach this weekend, though, is Illinois. Brett Billima is missing the game due to COVID. I can't remember if they talked about this, Caleb, because um, I I was more so just in shock that uh, he was going to be out with it. I feel like Billima was was vaccinated, so this might have been a breakthrough case.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't remember reading whether one way or another, but I think this is a kind of a pretty big blow for Illinois for their upset chances with Iowa. I think they were coming off a mm-hmm. bye week, so they had an extra week to prepare. Iowa's obviously been not as good the, the past month, month and a half. So I feel like this could have been uh, another game for Illinois to pull off an upset, but seems less likely now without your head coach.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, some unfortunate news in the world of uh, running backs, Wisconsin running back Ches Malusi, who has asserted himself as the next great Wisconsin running back and Texas running back Bijan Robinson, who has been one of the most electric running backs in all of college football have both announced that they are out for the season killed. This is particularly uh, heartbreaking for me with Robinson's injury because you know how I feel about Verdell from Oregon and how like, broken up I was whenever uh, he was out for the season with Oregon. And I said, Verdell, Robinson, and Walker. Well, Mm -hmm. now Walker's the only one out of Michigan State that I consider an electric running back. Um, These are huge losses for both programs, especially, though, with Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, I think Wisconsin will be okay. It seems like they are fine with running backs, no matter who they are. But Texas, as we'll talk about in a little bit here, is in a complete death spiral right now, and losing your best player—it's uh, going to be a rough last couple of weeks here, I think, for Steve Sarkisian.
0: Yeah, I think I think for me, as I'm looking at this too, I'm thinking it's not my take on it was it, it wasn't as big of a loss for Texas because they have you know they have Casey uh, was it Casey Thompson there. Uh, throwing passes, doing an okay job, but you know, Texas is very clearly on a maybe next year we'll be back mode. Um, but yeah, nevertheless, hate to see guys go down. Hope everything ends up being okay and that they uh, have productive futures. One last bit of information here. This has been a developing story over the last few weeks. Uh, Georgia linebacker Adam Anderson has just turned himself in amidst rape allegations. Uh, this is certainly an a, a very terrible incident and um, you know hopefully the the truth comes to light and uh, you know justice prevails there and you know I don't really know if there's anything else to be said about that. Nope and uh, so on that note kill and uh, let's go ahead and, and let's transition uh, from just general news to let's go ahead and let's rewind and let's look at how the games looked last week. so let me uh, get this going and there we go.
1: All right, week 11 review. Oh, double rewind this time. Double. As we start off, as always, with the upsets. Mississippi State coming back to upset number 17, Auburn, 43-34. This was very impressive as Mississippi State scored 40 straight points after trailing 28-3 in this one. Will Rogers, 400 yards, six touchdowns. And the unfortunate news for Auburn as Bo Nix very late in this game, Seemed to have mm-hmm. broken his ankle and was probably out for the season, and a tough way for Auburn season to come down the stretch here.
0: Yeah, you know this was a this was a very impressive win, and I think Lane Kiffin was the only person speaking of him and on game. I think he was the only one that picked them to mm-hmm. uh, defeat Auburn in this game. This is a tough, tough loss for Auburn, like you said. I mean, Bo Nix has his struggles, um, obviously, and uh, he's probably one of the most inconsistent quarterbacks of a major program in college football currently, but. You know, he, he's a pretty decent quarterback whenever, well, whenever he's on fire, you know, he's on fire. So you know, he's at least a pretty decent one. Broken ankles are usually pff, somewhere in the ballpark, like six to 12 weeks. So, yeah, I, I would say it's safe to say his season is done, which is unfortunate. Will Rogers it, is looking like a very impressive quarterback, having a lot of success under Leach's offense. You'll wonder how that'll translate in the future, or if it will. But um, Mississippi State is becoming a very exciting offense to, uh, to check out.
1: Yeah, I think they're the only team ranked with four losses. So they have some very impressive wins with some head-scratching losses as well. Exactly. Number 13, Baylor, ends Oklahoma's perfect season mm-hmm. as they win 27-14. to And everyone's savior, Caleb Williams, was benched. We Spencer. want Spencer. Yep.
0: We want Spencer.
1: Baylor's quarterback outshine him here, Jerry Bohannon. One pass touchdown, two rushing touchdowns, dual threat. And Baylor uh, responds after they... I think had lost, you know, one or two recently here.
0: I'm curious how Spencer Rattler had to have f- felt uh, hearing the uh, hearing the fans yelling, "We want Spencer." You know, obviously, whenever he was the starter, he heard people chanting for Caleb, and now he's seeing this happen to to Caleb Williams. Um, do you think like he's excited that fans are like supporting? We're supporting him there or do you think he's more sympathetic toward Williams? I don't I don't really know enough about Rattler's personality. I just know that he's a very meh kind of quarterback.
1: And I saw a video circulating last year that shows that he's not the greatest person, but the fact that he's still on Oklahoma, he could have easily entered the transfer portal already, you know, kind mm-hmm. of given up on the season. So he still wants to at least be on the team for now. Obviously he'll be mulling his options during the off season to see whether he'll be going to the NFL transfer portal or stay at Oklahoma and battle Caleb Williams again for that starting job. But I'd say it's definitely a good sign that he's sticking around for Oklahoma for the rest of the season. Agreed. Next game, another upset, Number 15 Ole Miss, upsets number 11, Texas A&M. Zal Calzada went back to bad Zal Calzada in this game. Mm-hmm. No touchdowns, two interceptions, one was a pick six. And Mississippi Ole Miss kind of controlled this game as they had the yardage advantage, 504 to 378. And, again, it seems like all these SEC West teams kind of just beat up on each other.
0: Yeah, I mean, Calzada had like an old vintage Kellen Mon type game, you know, where got some pretty good yardage threw a lot and turned the ball over multiple times so uh not great for them and yeah that yardage differential that'll just that'll kill you yep
1: Next game, we got Wake Forest rebounding after their first loss to beat N number 16, NC State, 45-42, another shootout here. Could have been higher scoring, though, as Sam Hartman, three touchdowns but three interceptions. Devin Leary for North Carolina State, four touchdowns but two interceptions himself. So he definitely too many turnovers in this one, but still Wake Forest able to pull out the victory.
0: Yeah, I think that if we were in quarantine again, you know, with uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic like we were last season, I think Wake Forest would have been my quarantine. They're just a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I really like Sam Hartman, but, you know, we, we can't deny the fact that he's been having a rough stretch uh, past two games, eight touchdowns, five interceptions. And, you know, that's, that's not too great, especially whenever you consider he's had 30 touchdowns and eight interceptions in one season. He's thrown over half of his INTs. In the past two weeks, so some things to clean up there. I think he can do it. Uh, didn't have a great completion percentage either, but yeah, this was an exciting game. And don't sleep on on Devin Leary, folks. I mean, he is a he is a high performing, high functioning quarterback who can definitely do some damage if he has his offensive weapons there and if the defense can give him a chance to win. Which you know, forty five, forty two. I think uh, I think both defenses were kind of sleeping there.
1: Definitely, for sure. Our final top 25 matchup in the Big Ten, number four, Ohio State beating number 19, Purdue, 59-31. Garrett Wilson was welcomed back with 10 catches, 126 yards, three receiving touchdowns, and a 51-yard rushing touchdown. As we said last week, Ohio State just has an embarrassment of riches at the wide receiver position.
0: Yeah, and you know, Aiden O'Connell, quarterback from Purdue, had an awesome day, you know, 40-52, 390 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, I know that most of those stats were in garbage time, but Aiden O'Connell has looked like a pretty good quarterback this season. Obviously he had some pretty, he led some pretty big wins earlier in the year. And even early on in this game, you know, Purdue was keeping it competitive uh, until, you know, Ohio state does what they do and they put their foot on the gas, but Ohio state is looking like they are where they belong. And that's in the top four. They are, you know, they're taking care of business when they need to. And, uh, going to pay dividends for them. I'm I am I'm assuming right now they're going to be the conference championship or the conference champions without question.
1: Yeah, I think they're the best team in the Big Ten right now, but they mm-hmm. have a very tough final three weeks, Michigan State, Michigan, and if they win both of those, they'll be playing probably Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. So three ranked teams for them. The final three weeks of the season will be if they win all three, they will definitely be deserving of a playoff spot.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, though. Like, I don't I don't really see – I feel like this will be one of the least competitive. Well, I don't know. Where's Wisconsin and Michigan State in in the West rankings? Or no, Michigan State's in the East. Sorry, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of the old alignment. Anyway, you know, Ohio State, I don't see anybody in the West that's really competitive. They need – I feel like they should go back and consider a realignment for them. Or, Caleb, you and I were talking about this. What if, like, every few years – they got rid of these stupid divisions in conferences and just did the top two teams competed for the for the conference title. Wouldn't that be much better? I feel like it would be.
1: Yeah, there's uh, been some ideas floating around where you play maybe three teams, maybe you have your th- top three rivals that you play every year, and then the other five or six conference games just rotate throughout the rest of the conference. So then obviously you're playing everyone every two to three years instead yeah. of every like five to six years like some of these teams we d- we don't see for a very long time. So that means you get to play every team probably twice in your four-year college career, which is cool to see. And then you exactly. get to keep those uh those big rivals, Ohio State, Michigan, land grand trophy, Penn State, Michigan State, obviously. And you, then, yeah, you get to go to – if Penn State and Ohio State are the two best teams, boom, they get to play in the conference championship game, yep. even if they already played each other earlier in the year. And, no, digging around with the with the Wisconsin team, that's maybe the fourth or fifth best team in the Big Ten.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Caleb, is Texas back? Uh,
1: they're only back in, like, the first quarter. <laughs> Although they were down big in this one as they lose to Kansas 57-56 in overtime. Kansas was a 31-point underdog, and I read somewhere this is their first time in 100 games winning as a 24-point underdog, something like that. (laughs) But the the coolest story, I think, for this walk-on tight end slash fullback Jared Casey. He's the one who caught the game-winning two-point conversion in overtime. This was the first snap he played all season. How about that?
0: I love it. Get that kid a scholarship. Yeah, that's a big win. That's a huge program win.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was looking back through Kansas' this season. It's, it's only their second one of the season, but they played Oklahoma tough. Now you beat Texas. It's got to be their best season in at least a decade. They're in the past decade, their their most wins in a season is only three, but none of those mm-hmm. include the wins over Texas and competing with Oklahoma. So, this is yeah, Lance Leipold, his first season coming from Buffalo. He mm-hmm. seems to at least be having the Kansas, the Jayhawks, playing tough.
0: Yeah, you know, they, they aren't giving up on him, even though the season's pretty much a wash. Like you said, Kansas hasn't been good since, uh, what's, his, what's his name is their head coach? Mark uh, Mangino. Thank you, Mark Mangino. And uh, they're pretty good with him. So uh, maybe uh, Leopold can replicate that success.
1: Yeah, Aqib Talib, star cornerback for Kansas. Back then. Yeah, that's right. And then finally, we had Florida surviving Samford. That is FCS Samford, not Stanford. They went 70-56, yes. to 56, but they gave up 42 points. In the first half, that's the most points ever allowed by Florida in any half, by any team, not just Dan Mullen. They fired the defensive coordinator last week, and that seemed to not work as Samford, again, scored 42 points in the first half against them. And um, yeah, Dan Mullen is probably just just coasting these last two weeks as he's, I'm sure, going to be gone at the at the end of the season at this point.
0: Yeah, now if you listen to this podcast and you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, you should know Samford because two years ago, whenever Ben Roethlisberger was out and we had Duck Hodges as our quarterback, he was a Samford grad uh, and was uh, pretty fun to watch there early on. But um, yeah, oh, I was so rooting for Samford in this one. Mullins, I, it's it's such a bummer for him. You know, He goes to this program hoping to be able to create some success. And Florida – you know, since Urban Meyer, yeah, since Urban Meyer has struggled to maintain any level of consistent uh, success, which surprises me because whenever I think of states with football talent, I think Texas, I think of uh, Florida, I think of California as my, my top three, mm-hmm. and nothing's happening for them. So, time to move on, bring in a big, you know, bring it, bring in a bigger fish. I guess, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe James Franklin, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think Dan Mullen was the offensive coordinator when uh, Urban Meyer was there with Tim Tebow, so I think that's why they brought him back to see if he could rekindle uh, that. But nope. I was reading a story and it just seems like he's not a good recruiter. And even though you're in Florida and you got all that talent there, you still got to recruit because Nick Saban comes in and snatches all the good prospects. Mm -hmm. You got to compete with Florida State and Miami, even though those programs are down as well right now. So there's a lot of, even though there's a lot of talent down there, there's a lot of programs that are trying to get the talent from Florida, obviously, and you got to be a good recruiter to keep that talent in state. Yeah, no question. Alright, let's move on to the Big Ten. We got number seven Michigan State rebounding to beat Maryland 40 to 21. And this was the stars came out for Michigan State. Four touchdown passes for Peyton Thorne, two rushing touchdowns for Kenneth Walker, two receiving touchdowns for Jaden Reed as they cruise to a victory over Maryland.
0: Yeah, big win. Uh and again, you know, we see Walker come into this game and perform. Yeah, they've been having some some issues, but I feel like he's been one of the more consistent players in college football this season, outside of one or two games, which again, as a running back, if your offensive line isn't having success in a game, you're going to have a hard time. He had 143 yards on 30 carries. That's a 4.8 yard average. That's impressive to me. And this isn't like the only game where he's done this. And this isn't against an FCS team. Yes, it's Maryland. And, you know, they're a little bit better than like the high school that I went to's football program, but they're still an FBS team. Uh, they are They're competing. They're bringing in athletes like Josh Jacobs' little brother, the running back of the Raiders, like Tua tonga little brother, Talia Tonga-Vailoa. And, um, you know, Michigan State comes in, rolls over them. Peyton Thorne, like you said, looking really impressive, really good. This team has the makings of being a very complete offense, but some of their earlier season struggles are what's ultimately going to keep them out of the playoffs.
1: Next up, we got number 20, Wisconsin, continuing to roll. They beat Northwestern 35-7. to seven. We said Ches Malusi out for the season. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter as true freshman 17-year-old Braylon Allen, 25 carries, 173 yards, three rushing touchdowns. Wisconsin, I think, has won six in a row now.
0: Can't even vote yet, Caleb. Mm-hmm.
1: Next game, we got number 21, Iowa winning a back-and-forth game over Minnesota, 27-22. And if you look at the stats here, you'd think Minnesota won this one rather easily. 400 to 277-yard advantage, total yards there. Minnesota won the turnover battle, 1-0, and had 40 minutes' time of possession, but Iowa was able to pull it off with uh, Alex Padilla, quarterback replacing Spencer Petras.
0: Padilla, yeah. Uh, and I would say he looked a little bit better than what we saw out of um – Petrus this season. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Finally, Rutgers crushing Indiana as Indiana's terrible season continues here. They had six turnovers in this one, two interceptions, four fumbles, zero for Rutgers. That's a recipe for a blowout, and it was even for Rutgers.
0: Yeah, Shiana took him to took him to task. Uh, Tuttle and uh, the rest of the Indiana quarterback room is is struggling. So uh, they got they got a lot of areas to grow and. You know, we, we've we said this, I, I feel like we've said this almost every week this season, Killed. It's such a bummer for Indiana after how awesome and how special of a season they had last year that, you know, this is what they get the next year. Bummer. Yeah,
1: that was supposed to be Cincinnati's second big win, but it's going to be end up being like their 10th best win of the season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right, let's move on to Penn State.
0: Let's do it. <laughs> yeah kill what on earth happened i i want to i want to figure out how i want to say this best you know we had such an awesome start to the season and then we get into these big games and we just fall apart i i don't get it and you know, this is probably be a little different than how we usually talk Penn State games with the overall or with the like the specific position breakdown breakdown. But I would much rather just have a, a smooth, natural flowing conversation about this because I'm not going to lie. I am extremely frustrated with Penn State right now, Caleb.
1: Yeah, you definitely have to be. um we we tried to throw out last year the 0-5 start. Mm-hmm. We blamed COVID on it and everything because they ended up, they won four in a row, they win five in a row to start this season, so nine-game win streak across those two seasons. But now add it all up, Penn State's 10-9 and nine in their last two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, the 11-win season seems so far away, even though it's just a couple of seasons ago that that was happening. Mm-hmm. The The offense is only averaging, I think, 21 points per game in conference games this season. I know we played some good defenses, but still, you got to be scoring more than 21 points a game if you want to compete on the highest level to be a top 10 team and even be a top 25 team, which Penn State seems to not be right now. Even though I saw, I think, in the simulated BCS standings, we'd still sneak in there at number 25.
0: Yeah, but, you know, like, I'll be honest, I don't think we're the 25th best team in the country. I, I feel like we are a pretty awful team, and I don't think it's because we're talent poor. I think it's because, honestly, it's tough for me to say this. I think it's because we have bad coaching right now. You know, I am I am so tired of going into games against ranked opponents and thinking, hey, we got a shot here, and then seeing Penn State come out and start early on and really be, like, battling this other team, but then the other team is able to make adjustments, and we can modify our game plan around them. it. It is so frustrating to me, and you know, I was tweeting out a lot about my frustration with the coaching staff from our from our Twitter account at CPFB Podcast, and um, you know, I was getting some mixed reviews on my reactions, but like, I I feel like I have been consistently on the Franklin bandwagon. I keep saying, you know, I think he can do it. I I think he can, he can rock with it, but I don't know, man, I'm getting off this. I feel like I'm getting off this Franklin bus, you know, you get, you get Sean Clifford out there. He's 23 or 43, 205 yards and a touchdown, but he gets sacked seven times. And then does our offense really do anything to put him in positions of success? No, now that, that, gives me two issues one is why on earth are we still putting the same product out there at offensive line you don't want to try anything else since you know what we currently have isn't working why does Troutwine still have a job that doesn't make sense to me the whole loyalty thing yeah yeah whatever he'll he'll Troutwine will still get a paycheck um why isn't you know we know Clifford can run why aren't we calling more bootlegs or opportunities for him to throw on the run it just feels like our it feels like we can't it feels like we are choosing very intentionally to do the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, which is the very definition of insanity. I, I don't get it, Caleb. You know, it we had such a good start to the season and now it just feels like, yeah, like we're not even gonna be team blooming onion. We can't even make it to the outback bowl, it feels like.
1: Yeah, I do understand the the frustration with James Franklin right now. And this isn't to, um, you know, ease him of anything or any, or you know, try to take any blame away from him. But I feel like college coach is it's the it is like he said it's a three hundred sixty five day a year job. You got to do the recruiting, you got to do the coaching, you got to be on these players all the time. There's a. A you know, hundred. You got your eighty-five scholarship players at a program like Penn State. You got tons of walk-ons as well. So you're dealing with over a hundred players instead of just fifty-three or so with uh, with the NFL. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with college kids who are who have to keep their grades up uh, to you know whatever certain extent. To you're not dealing with adults like you are in the NFL. So I think a college coach is much more difficult than an mm-hmm. NFL head coach, but still. When it comes to game plans, when it comes to timeout usage, when it comes to two minute drills and everything like that, that at some point that's got to fall on the head coach. At, whether it's him picking bad offensive coordinators, bad uh, assistant coaches, whether it's him just not being fully invested into the game plan for whatever reason, because he's focused on recruiting or something else. Like you said, he was down in, in Virginia watching a kid yeah. for recruiting. Like I understand it's hard in all those aspects, but still you got to be able. To, the best head coaches figure out ways to do it. And I think James Franklin is a really good head coach. Look at, look at all these schools that have tried to switch head coaches and have failed multiple times, Miami, Florida state, Texas, Nebraska. These schools have all rich traditions and they keep trying and keep failing at getting new head coaches. So I think James Franklin is still good for the job and we know what it is. We know we can get to 11 wins and we know we can win the conference with him. But, uh, yeah, are are we ever going to be a top four team with him? No, but we may not need to be anytime soon. We may the twelve team playoff may be here soon, and Penn State will be one of the biggest benefactors of that. I think.
0: Yeah, I think so too. But you know, like, I, I get so frustrated, especially looking at these top ten matchups and how many times we're in these games and and they look close. And you know, as a college football fan, you love to root for the upset whenever you are the underdog. But let's like let's look at the facts too. In a in top 10 matchups, James Franklin is now 2-13. and 13. He has lost his last eight against the top 10. You know, I I have decided I'm going to emotionally disconnect myself from any top 10 matchups for, I don't know, maybe the rest of Franklin's career because I get into these games, I hype myself up, and, you know, you, you've heard me say it on the pick segments, too, against, like, Ohio State and Michigan. I was like, no, I think we can win these games. I... I- I don't. I don't think we can win these games. You know, I, I. feel like we are now. I feel there's a first class, and that's Ohio State. And then, then there's a second class, and and for me, that is Michigan State and Michigan. And I feel like we are now down in this third class, third tier. Like I don't even think we're up there with the, with the Michigan schools. You know, yeah, we have this awesome defense. We have Brent Pryde co- coaching up some good schemes, but he also has times where he just really struggles to figure out and, and make the necessary adjustments. Fortunately, you know, we, we have people like Arnold Epichetti, who how Temple let him leave that building or leave that school is beyond me. Two sacks, force fumble, basically had his way for a good chunk of the game, um, which was great to see, but you know, then we also get guys like you know, Brandon Smith out there, he has 10 tackles, but he's missing a lot. He's struggling in coverage. He's really not getting much pressure on quarterbacks, and he's a five-star recruit, not playing like it. Um, I don't know, man. It feels like it's in... And, and I'm sure a lot of this is just, like, still feeling a little bit too emotional from this past week. and But... It just feels like this team is is in its own version of disarray. It's not the disarray that you see Texas spiraling into, but you know it. There's some sort of identity crisis, and I and I think it comes back to the coaching here. You know, like let's look at this last drive by Penn State. You know, yes, Jahan Dotson wasn't out there, but we have Parker Washington, we have Brenton Strange, we have Theo Johnson. You you want to tell me we're not going to target any of those three? We're going to focus on Cameron Sullivan Brown, who has. Four receptions all season. Like, where it, where is the brain in that decision making? It drives me crazy.
1: Yeah, and that leads into a bigger thing. I think we've done. I think we did a good job with going for it on fourth downs and these yeah. on these situations. They're the right decisions to go for it, especially on the first drive. I know they were both fake punts—a fake punt and a fake field goal—which. It is more or less questionable. I know we executed very well on the fake punt, obviously executed much less well on the fake field goal attempt. But those are, I think, both go for it situations. And we went for it both times, which I liked. And we went for it at the very end there. But yeah, they're, I think they're just poor play calls. And that's why we went one for three on those fourth down conversions instead of two for three or maybe even three for three for three.
0: Yeah, and and you know, like I agree with you. I love the aggression on fourth down, especially whenever we were at the two. But again, you know, bad coaching decision there. Why on earth are we sending out a fake field goal unit to run this sort of a play? Whenever we can put the offense out there, and you know, worst case scenario, Michigan's down at their two. Yeah. Best case scenario, we put six points on the board and shoot. or or go for the point after. But instead, you know, you got this mess of a play drawn up, run out there, stout fumbles, and it's basically, you know, like we give the ball to Michigan at a 30. So it's almost like they they ran the ball back after getting a field goal, except we didn't get any points. We just gave them a a touchback plus five. It, it, it,
1: Yeah, Uh, like
0: you you can tell how frustrated I am.
1: (laughs) Yep, run that formation with the three running backs in the backfield. I know one or two of them are tight ends, but that formation worked later in the game and worked against Ohio Mm -hmm. State. It seems to be our our best goal line formation right now. So run that play out there. You know whatever variation you want of it.
0: And, you know, like, we finally got to see a little bit more success in the run game. And I'm going to chalk that up to the fact that we finally decided to settle on one. We're no longer getting cute with, oh, let's make sure everybody gets a touch. No, like, let's find which running back we can make. Our, our main, our starter, and let's pound the rock with him. on Lee, 20 carries for 88 yards. Hey, that's not too bad. You know, that's the most that we've had this season from a running back, which as a Penn State fan is also frustrating to me. But, you know, we, we got to start somewhere. Uh, Lovett, I think, needs to not be on the field now. He is going through some sort of a funk. And so he needs to hang out on the bench.
1: Yep. Yeah, he had one catch in this one. Should have had three or four, if not for drops and one little overthrow by Clifford on one of the passes. Mm-hmm. He's, he, yeah, he's not like he's special in pass blocking, so it's not like we need him on the field for pass blocking situations. So yeah, right now John Levin needs to go down. Yeah, get Lee, give him twenty carries again this weekend against Rutgers or more. See if he can build on this. See if he can finally get a hundred yard rusher in the in a game for a season this season. And if if you want. Maybe he can be your pass blocking back. Maybe you bring in someone else, Devin Ford, someone like that instead.
0: Maybe, but and 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 that would definitely be ideal. But again, like I'm thinking of some specific plays. You know, Hutchinson and Ojabo from Michigan, both guys that are going to play in the pros, both likely going to be first round picks. Um, Hutchinson projected to go as high as top four or five were in that we're running our offense. And as I'm looking at them, you know, I'm watching the running backs whiff on blocks. And then (laughs) let's, let's talk about the offensive line, Caleb. Like, I'm going to say it again. Trout wine needs to go. This offensive line is terrible. You know, we we've heard about players. We've heard about, you know, juice, juice Scruggs. We've heard about Rashid Walker and, and uh, I can't even remember the other one. Thank you. Who have been like, You know, first or second round pick projections who look like who look like they have no idea what they're doing out there. And, you know, part of it is coaching. Part of it is like where like they need to step up and and assert their leadership. And I hate that I'm being so negative about Penn State, but I, I just see so many flaws, so many problems with the team that aren't being addressed. And this is reminding me a lot of the early days of James Franklin. I think I even put out a tweet, like, the way that the offense looks, it reminds me so much of the Christian Hackenberg era with Franklin. And that was a very frustrating time as a Penn State fan because he had so much up and downs. The highs were awesome, but the lows were so stinking frustrating. And that's where we are again. I'm tired of feeling that way
1: yeah, I think PFF actually tweeted somehow this was the most amazing stat. Juice Scruggs has not given up and sacked this season, which I couldn't believe because he's played pretty much every single snap for Penn State this season. But yeah, why not get Landon Tangwell, our top recruit on offensive line, out there? Give him some reps. Give him some experience. So hopefully our offensive line can be better next year. We got another high recruit coming in next year. We got a five-star recruit coming in the year after that but i think we've had some talent maybe not quite this level of talent but we've had talent in the past we we have guys in the pros that are good offensive linemen so they have talent out there that are that are winning super bowls you know but we, we just can't seem to put it together in college we need to have, yeah, figure out some way get a new offensive line coach get a mm-hmm. new maybe new offensive scheme something to help our guys out because it's yeah it's just not working right now
0: yeah and you know, look at the wide receiver position. I think this is a case in point of how important position coaches were. We hit, when we had what's his face, who was the Army running backs coach, but we made our wide receiver coach for whatever reason, we took Juwan Johnson, who had like the greatest hands on the team, into a guy that was Mr. Drops a lot. Give it a few more attempts at a. At wide receiver coaches, and now you know we have guys coming up and making catches. You know we had Parker Washington with four receptions for ninety-two yards in this game. We had Han Dotson nine receptions, sixty-one yards. Um, You know we have players like Keandre Lambert Smith, who is looking like he will, like he's going to be a good number two receiver next year. Position coaches matter. They are very underrated. People think because they aren't a coordinator that it's like, oh, you know, their their significance isn't quite there. No, don't be mistaken. They make or break a team. They are probably some of the. Well, I'll go ahead and say it. they're probably the most important because you know it, it seems to me like you know you can you can call up a play in Madden or or NCAA football or heck even like Retro Bowl like we were talking about earlier and you can make it work. But if the players don't have the talent, if they haven't been coached up. They're not going to do it, and and the relationships these kids build first are with their position coaches, so figure it out. Phil Troutwine is not the answer at all. we got to get rid of him, man. He's got to go. I think that's what's really missing here for the team. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry I'm sorry I'm so like uh, right now
1: but No, I agree. I think uh, Brian Hartline, the wide receiver coach for Ohio State is often listed up there as one of the best coaches in in college football right now because of the great job he does recruiting, because of the great job he does just connecting with his with his receivers there and it's definitely shown the success. Even um I saw Alabama's top receiver right now, Jamison Williams. He was an Ohio state recruit originally He mm-hmm. transferred. So Ohio state could even have even more great wide receivers right now.
0: Right. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I, at least, you know, at least special teams is still going. Okay. I guess, you know, Jordan Stout yeah. front of the show had made three out of four field goals, uh, hit a 42, a 52 and a 31 missed a 43. But, um, you did you know, hear
1: it. did you hear why he said he missed this field goal and is why he's missed at least one or two other field goals? Oh this my year? gosh. He said he what? kicked the ground first before he hit the ball, and that's why that ball came out weird on that forty three yard field goal miss. So
0: I did see that on that kick. Mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know if I want to buy that excuse for the other ones, but I did see it on that kick.
1: Yeah, so just a little mechanical tweak he's got to fix there if he wants to keep nailing these forty-plus yard field goals. Yeah,
0: but let's be honest, he's not going to be a kicker. He's going to be a punter in the pros. Four punts mm-hmm. for a fifty-one yard average, all inside the twenty. I mean, Mister Coffin Corner. Uh, a lot of times it feels like, and he rightfully earned right. Big Team Special or Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week. I am sure he will not win the Ray Guy Award. Um, but there should be like some special award for special teams players. And he should definitely earn that. He, uh, you know, he can kick, he can punt and, uh, he can throw a pretty pass too, kill that, that pass on the fake punt was really good. Uh, but he needs to hold on to the ball better that, uh, that moment in the game where on the fake field goal, you know, the ball gets sent to him and he fumbles it. That's when you knew the game was over and, uh, and or at least that's when I felt the game w- was over because mm-hmm. it was such a big, um, like momentum shift.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, I understand that. Yeah, being down, being only up three nothing at the end of the first quarter when we dominated should have been easily been up ten nothing if not more. It was. Mm-hmm. It was not great. Yeah. All right. Move on to final thoughts.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Um, I feel like I've said everything I can. We'll always have September.
1: Yep, and. Pretty much the same year. It's like a lot of these games this year, going back to September, coming back now into November, come down to one or two plays. We made those plays against Wisconsin. We made those plays against Auburn. We haven't been making those plays against Ohio State or Illinois or Michigan now, and that's really what it's come down to. Some of that I think is a little bit of bad luck, especially with injury, the injury to Sean Clifford, but some of that is not executing, poor coaching like we've talked about, and hopefully we get those corrected next year.
0: Fingers crossed. Um, MVP wise, Caleb, you and I both picked Arnold Ebecetri. So why don't you go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and assume we have the same reasons why. So why did you pick him?
1: Yeah, he was just a monster there, wrecking havoc. I think most of the game. Cade McNamara actually played pretty well, three touchdown passes, but when he but he was definitely feeling the pressure a lot of times, and that was mainly coming from Ebecetri.
0: Nice. Yeah. So right, rightfully so. We are unranked. Um, I'll be honest. I think we should probably stay there this season. And because I think we'll, I think we're going to go two and one down the stretch of the regular season, but uh, I don't think that earns us any top 25 recognition this upcoming week. We are playing Rutgers on the big 10 network at noon. Uh, should be a good game because Penn State leads the series 29-2 and all-time against Rutgers, including winning the last 14, and it is senior day. We have a lot of awesome seniors to recognize. Uh, Caleb, I was reading a mock draft, and this player will probably surprise you. Guess which player from Penn State is currently projected a first-round draft pick by some.
1: Um, other than Jahan Dotson?
0: Other than Jahan Dotson.
1: Um, I've seen a couple different names floated around – some names we've knocked today. I'll say Rashid Walker.
0: Oh, good guess. Tariq Castro Fields, though yeah. I saw in in a couple first rounds. Um, I don't know if you follow Walter Football, and yep. uh, you know he he's usually a uh, a site that I go to for a lot of mocks, and mm. uh, he had him there, and Charlie Campbell had him there. Charlie Campbell's been really reliable in terms of draft accuracy, so I don't know. Maybe people see stuff in him. Uh, defense hasn't been the issue, and that's that's yeah. also what makes me. mad. Yeah, I've
1: yeah, I've read some things, heard some things that people like Tariq Castro fields his size. He's a pretty tall for a cornerback. They like mm-hmm. his compete. They, they there are definitely some traits that people like about Tyreek Castro fields that yeah. he could be a successful NFL player.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm high on Tariq Castro fields. I think he's a really good corner. I feel like a lot of the analysts harp on him, but you know, I think he's good.
1: Yeah, and so, Penn State uh, has had success with cornerback. We're uh, yeah. going to have some more with Joey Porter Jr., Kalen mm-hmm. King.
0: But uh,
1: Oriarie had a pretty good game against your Pittsburgh Steelers this week.
0: Yeah, he did. Um, But, you know, Pat Fryer moves. Yikes. I love Pat, but unfortunate yeah. mistake. That being said, that game was a mess. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and let's talk college football playoff rankings, Caleb. You know, we got our top four. No surprises here. Georgia, Bama, Oregon, Ohio State. Um, and the reason I say no surprise is because even though you and I both are are leaning towards Cincinnati should have a spot in the playoffs, the committee is just uh, disrespecting them. So, you know, Cincinnati's just outside Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma State. What a – yeah, and, and what has been one of the most exciting college football seasons? This is probably one of the most boring, worst jobs by the playoff committee, personal opinion.
1: Yeah, the teams we listed, I listed them. I think that's probably the cutoff line for teams that can make the playoff at this point, going all Absolutely. the way down to number nine, Oklahoma State. Yeah, uh, we everyone kind of thought Oklahoma lost, so Big 12 is done. If not quite. Uh, Oklahoma State, if they went out, they'll probably have to beat Oklahoma. They might have to beat Oklahoma twice to do that, which <laughs> seems unlikely, but you never know the, with the way Oklahoma's playing this year. Notre Dame's kind of just lurking there. They shouldn't get in over Cincinnati since Cincinnati obviously beat them. But you never know, especially if the Big Ten cannibalizes itself the next couple weeks as both Michigan and Michigan State still have to play Ohio State. All right, let's get into our Week 12 picks of who you got.
0: Let's do it, man.
1: All right, Phil. You went four and five last week. I went four mm-hmm. and four, so my lead of three wins stays. We're just under two thirds correct here, percentage wise on the season. But you got your underdog pick right. Congratulations! Thank you. Got to thank Texas Tech's field goal kicker.
0: Yes, I do. Um, you know, I, I think what the difference is this season, Caleb, is like you and I, and, and I notice this each week. This season, with a lot of teams and a lot of matchups we pretty much agree each week on like every game except for like one and so we're not mm-hmm. seeing these huge dynamic shifts in terms of who's in lead and who's not uh, as compared to other college football seasons and so uh definitely makes uh every pick every pick I'm, I'm spending a lot of time thinking all right i need to make some ground on caleb here so uh we'll see
1: <laughs> yep all right speaking of underdog phil who are you taking for your underdog pick this week
0: There weren't really a lot of games that I loved. Uh, The one that you're going to say was one that I was leaning toward, but uh, I wanted to find another one because, again, I'm I'm trying to get up on you here. So as I was looking over the matchups, this is one where it's going to be tough because, again, I think that this quarterback gets slept on a lot. I think he's good, but I can see the team not putting him in a position where he can win, and that's number 28. Uh, NC State. They are going to be playing Syracuse, and in this game, NC State is an 11.5-point favorite. Syracuse is a, is a tough team. They play well. They play hard, especially in conference. I can see them going in, and I can see them taking out NC State uh, with a good rushing attack and uh, and some pretty solid defense there. So uh, that's who I've got. Caleb, who you got?
1: I really wanted to go with Nebraska over Wisconsin, but it didn't quite meet the minus 10 threshold. So I'm going with Southern Miss over Louisiana Tech. Southern Miss, not very good. Louisiana Tech, also not very good. So I'm surprised it's a 16.5 point spread here. So uh, I'll take my chances that Southern Miss can pull off this upset here.
0: Yeah, I saw it too. You know, uh, Frank Gore Jr., I think, is... I think he has like almost 800 yards rushing um, mm-hmm. on the season, having a pretty okay season. I was disappointed, though, Caleb, that Frank Gore is a, like pretty much officially considered retired now. I really wanted yeah. the first father-son uh, duo in the NFL, but we're not going to get it.
1: Yeah, well if Adrian Peterson can play another season, maybe Frank Gore can.
0: Maybe. Let's look at this next game here. We got Florida Atlantic at Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky is the ten point favorite. Mike White, uh former quarterback from Western Kentucky, starting for the Jets again. Throws four interceptions. Yikes from a guy that said he should have been a number one overall pick. But uh, current quarterback for Western Kentucky, Bailey Zappi, leads the FBS in both yards with 41.70 and touchdowns with 42. Caleb, who you got?
1: Yeah, tough game for Mike White this past week. He got injured in the previous start, then throws four interceptions. Now he's benched for Joe Flacco, of all people. But um, going back to the actual college game, I'll take Western Kentucky. They're on a roll right now. I think they won five in a row. They mm-hmm. were featured on the uh, Group of Five this week on the Athletic. They ha- they were kind of the featured story, talking about how they basically raided Houston Baptist and took all their best players and coaches, and it's yep. worked here uh, at Western Kentucky because uh, I worked last year at Houston Baptist, and those four, yeah. only those four games they played, they almost beat Texas Tech. But um, yeah, Western Kentucky's playing their best right now. If they went out, they'll be making it to the Conference USA Championship game. And so I think they take that next step to this weekend. Phil, who you got?
0: Hilltoppers look awesome. Bailey, Bailey Zappi is, uh, is all guns blazing. So uh, give me the Hilltoppers. Go Western Kentucky.
1: Next game, number 12, Wake Forest at Clemson. As we've seen pretty much almost every week this year, Clemson is the four-point favorite despite Wake Forest being the ranked team. Maybe it's because Wake Forest has not won at Clemson since 1998. That's 10 losses in a row. Phil, who you got?
0: I think it's going to come down to quarterback play. And so it's who do I like more, Sam Hartman or DJ Uyunglele or uh, whoever the other guy is that's been playing for him too. Um, And in this case, I really like Sam Hartman. Like he's, He's a guy that... Uh, as a Steelers fan, like I don't know how he'll be as a pro, but I at least like to see him in black and gold to see if he could be a good pro. Uh, I'm a I'm a big fan. I'm I'm high on Wake Forest. Give me them, Caleb. Who you got?
1: Yeah, I'll take Wake Forest as well. This should be very interesting. Wake Forest, the high powered offense, Clemson, the very stingy defense. Which side will win out? I'll take Wake. I think I'm a I picked against Clemson twice this year, and they've lost both times. So hopefully that trend continues.
0: Agreed. Uh, next game here we got SMU at number five. Cincinnati. Cincinnati is an eleven and a half point favorite and is four and one all time against SMU. Caleb, who you got?
1: Yeah, very big game here for Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they got to go undefeated if they want to make the playoffs. SMU only two losses on the season. They're having a good season. They're ranked, I think, in both the AP poll and the coaches poll, but. College football playoff committee gives the AAC no respect, so they're unranked here. So yeah, so this is this is a very tough game for Cincinnati. Can't be looking ahead at anything. They need to obviously win this one, and I think they will. fail who you got?
0: I I feel like the fans should get some sort of a vote in the playoffs. Like, who do we want to see in the playoffs as well? Like, obviously narrow the options down a little bit. But like, come on, Cincinnati belongs in the playoffs. They are really, you know. They put together several seasons of a of a high level of success. This is kind of like the whenever it felt like Boise State should have been in, in like national championship discussions and stuff, and they weren't because of you know where they were in terms of conferences. Let's let's give them some respect and see what happens. Don't forget the times that like schools like Utah, who were considered smaller and going to get destroyed, ended up like pummeling big schools like Georgia. Uh, I like Cincinnati in this one. I I expect them to cover the spread.
1: Next up, we got Baylor, a one-point favorite at Kansas State. These teams have played 18 times. Baylor, 1-9. Kansas State, 1-9. Phil, who gets to 10?
0: Yeah, this is surprising to me that it is a one-point spread, Um, mainly because I haven't really seen much out of Kansas State in terms of overall productivity. I really like Baylor in this one. Uh, I... (laughs) I can, I can see them winning this by two scores. Caleb, who you got?
1: Yeah, I think the only worry here is it's kind of a letdown game after mm-hmm. the big upset against Oklahoma. Getting fined for rushing the field after beating Oklahoma. Yeah. The, the NCAA strikes again on that. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll take Baylor in this one to continue their success. Yeah.
0: Uh, Next game here, we got... This is a good one. It's a top 10 matchup, and it's a big 10 matchup. We got number seven, Michigan State, at number four, Ohio State. Ohio State is a 19-point favorite and has won five in a row against Michigan State. Caleb, who you got?
1: Yeah, I know Ohio State's won a bunch of these in a row, but Michigan State seems to kind of win these really important ones against Ohio State for for whatever reason. They did it, you know, obviously (laughs) five, six years ago now. When they made it to that Big 12 or Big 10 championship game that really kind of boring one against Iowa, if you remember that one, and got them into the playoffs. So I kind of think history might repeat itself here this year. Definitely not a 19 point spread, but I Mm will take Michigan State in the apparently big upset. Phil, who you got?
0: Yeah, I don't see how they can have the spread this wide with how much emphasis Michigan State puts on the run with Kenneth Walker. Um, I would expect to see Michigan State having some long, sustained drives. That being said, I feel like the talent difference here, I'm not ready to pick against Ohio State. Um, and so I got the Buckeyes in this one. I will be rooting for Michigan State, which is tough for me to do because I also really want to win this picks uh, thing because, Kale, this is our third season and we're one and one. Um mm-hmm. uh, and But I think the Buckeyes have this one.
1: Next game, another top 25 matchup. Arkansas going to number two, Alabama. Alabama, 20 and a half point favorite, and they have won 13 in a row against Arkansas. Phil, who you got?
0: Unlike the last game where we weren't really convinced on the spread, I'm totally convinced on it here. Alabama, Caleb, who you got?
1: Yeah, same. Alabama struggled on the road this season, so maybe if it was on the road, I'd consider picking Arkansas. But this one is in Tuscaloosa, so I'll take Bama big.
0: Mm-hmm. Next matchup here, we got number three Oregon at number twenty four Utah. Utah though is the favorite, a three point favorite, despite the fact that Oregon is twenty three and ten against them, uh, and also despite the fact that Oregon isn't a really far drive away from Utah, so fans can still get there. What? Um, anyway, Caleb, who you got?
1: I'm taking Oregon in this one. I know they win a lot of games close. They win a lot of games ugly. They don't blow teams out, except Ohio State. They kind of blew them out. Mm-hmm. So, But I think they'll be up for this game. Really important game for Oregon. They need to win out again. Also, if they want to make the playoff, this could be – this is probably the first of two meetings between these two teams as they're likely to play in the Pac-12 championship game as well. So I'll take Oregon to win this one. Phil, who you got?
0: Yeah, you know, in the words of legendary Pittsburgh Steelers head coach Bill Cowher, who cares if you win ugly, and uh, Oregon doesn't care, I would expect their defense to shut down Utah's offense, uh, make it still a good game, you know, but I expect the Ducks to win this one.
1: And finally, we got Rutgers at Penn State. Penn State being the 17-point favorite. Rutgers has won their last two road games. Phil, who you got?
0: So I said at the start of... The uh, podcast whenever we start talking about Penn State, uh, I think they go two and one down the stretch here and uh, this is one of the games I expect Penn State to win. If they don't win this game, I might set my eyelashes on fire. Uh, the Scarlet Knights are if Michigan State is the little brother of Michigan, then Rutgers is the baby brother of Penn State. I expect Penn State to to really take them to task here, uh, wreck them, Ralph. And if they don't, I'm going to go crazy because despite this fact that Greg shiano is a great coach, uh, and there's no question about that in my mind, I think he's a great, great, great coach. Um, Penn State has way more firepower, and so we better be able to utilize that. Uh, I do not have us covering the spread though. I have us winning 28 to 17. Caleb, who you got?
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's an early start, the 12 noon game. So I could see it being kind of sleepy start for mm-hmm. Penn State, but it's senior day. So I think the players will be playing for all the seniors. For They haven't really announced the list yet so far, but Tariq Castro Field should be there. Mm-hmm. Sean Clifford, you would think, at least be recognized, even if he decides to come back for another season. Plenty of other guys as well. So I think just because it's senior day, they'll definitely be able to pull out this victory. But again, I don't have them covering the spread just like you. I have it 24-13. Mm-hmm.
0: Kelp, <sighs> I feel like I've been such a downer today. Just, I'm so beat up.
1: That's what four um, losses out of five games will do to you.
0: I guess so. Um, but you know what? I still enjoy doing this. Uh, even like, it's so much more fun to podcast after a Penn State win uh, or like look forward to it after a Penn State win. But no matter what, whenever I am, when I'm podcasting with you, Caleb, it's always special. Uh, and But, you know, for real, I mean that. This is, uh, this is a lot of fun. And so uh, let me say again to the listeners, uh, you, you hear me say this every week, thank you so much for tuning in. We're just a couple buddies from college. We are total amateurs, and uh, we really enjoy talking about college football. It's, you know, rather than boring our wives with our conversations because they don't want to hear it, and they've made that pretty clear to us at points. Uh, we like hearing from each other what we think about college football. And, um, you know, we'd definitely love to hear what you think as well. So be sure to reach out to us on Twitter at uh, CPFB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. That way, Anytime new podcasts come out, you can get alerts. And, uh, you know, hit us up with a like and a five-star on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Caleb, any final words of wisdom before we sign off? Go Penn State. We are.